0: Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Well, we're in this series called Losing Your Marbles. That's why there's this big marble jar here, because as parents, it feels like sometimes we're losing our marbles as we're raising our kids. But it's really about six things kids need in order to to grow up well. And the first one was they need time. And over the course of time, we as adults, whether you're aunt, uncle, particularly parents, but even grandparents, have the privilege and responsibility to make a permanent impression on the lives of our children, and one of the ways we do that is a continual investment over the course of time. It's not through one big event or a few big events as much as it is just the consistency of uh, uh, consistency of showing up, of doing the right things over time. And this jar has 936 marbles representing the fact that we have 936 weeks from birth to the time they turn 18. And if we would just visualize taking a marble out every week and asking ourselves, now how did I invest in my kids intentionally this week? It's a great reminder. Um, so some of you might want to do that. Um, as a visual, but you want to visualize time. Last week we talked about um, displaying love and that love is a powerful force in the lives of our kids. Kids um, need to know that we love them, not just through our words, but through our actions. And we show that by showing up. We show them we love them by giving them boundaries, setting rules. We we, um, show them we love them by getting to know them and what their likes and dislikes are and things that... That caused them fear and cause them hope, just getting to know them. But above all, we, we show love to kids as they grow up by, by refusing to give up on them. And there are some tough times with our kids. There are times you feel like wringing their neck or you just feel like turning away. And, uh, but you say, you know what, I'm going to love them like God loves me. And I'm going to be faithful to them and ride through the storm with them. And I'm always going to be here. I'll always be their mom and I'll always be their dad. And I'll always be one who gives grace to them. Because we really want them to, to see God through us. And so love. Today we're going to talk about stories, how kids need stories in order to grow up, and we love stories. I remember as a kid, just growing up in school, I learned Aesop's Fables, and I, and I learned the stories of Hans Christian Andersen, and I learned the, the folk stories of our culture, Paul Bunyan and Johnny Appleseed and all those stories, and, 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 and in uh, junior high, I started learning about Greek mythology and all those stories and the lessons and the values they present. I remember reading, and not so eagerly reading, Catcher in the Rye and Lord of the Flies and To Kill a Mockingbird. And those are classic stories, but they all um, conveyed principles and truths that we needed to know. When I was young and it came to be bedtime, my mom used to read us bedtime stories. And one of the things my mom used to read us was from a little book, actually the series of books, called The Bible Story. Now, these are, these are really old. They were written in like the 1920s, and this was produced, this, this actual book in the 1940s. And it's by Arthur Maxwell. Anybody grew up with these books? Um, 10 volumes, and what they do, they illustrate Bible stories. And so mom would sit at the edge of our bed, and she'd read us about Enoch and how Enoch was taken up to be with the Lord, didn't have to die, and read read to us about the flood. And I discovered through this book, because there's pictures, I I got to see what Adam and Eve really looked like, and got to see what Noah and Moses really looked like. So if you get that book, you're going to really find the pictures of, well, kind of what they look like. But our kids love stories. Our kids love Pixar. They love Disney. And the love Chronicles of Narnia and Star Wars and The Hobbit and Twilight and Harry Potter and all these because stories just, just captivate us. And, and it's not just for kids, even adults. You love John Grisham stories put into movies, don't you? Don't you love Nicholas Sparks books put into movies? Well, maybe you don't. But we, we love stories. Stories are a part of our lives. And really, um, it, it's a reflection of the fact that life really is about a story. They're not just child's play. It's not just simply to entertain us. Stories are reflective of our lives. Madeline Langle, an author, says all of life is a story. I think that's a great picture of how our lives play out. Because if you'd look over your life, you would probably divide it into chapters. There'd be the chapter, you know, of of my schooling and maybe graduation closed a chapter of my life and college was another chapter and my marriage was a chapter. And maybe my divorce began another chapter, and, and kids, and, and jobs, and moves, and different houses, and all these become chapters in our lives, and we can kind of divide it up there. And it reminds us that life is a story, but it's really part of this bigger story that's going on all around us. See, the stories we tell our kids invite them to be part of God's epic story. God has an epic story that we get to be part of. When you were born, the story was already going on. It began in the Garden of Eden. And in that Garden of Eden, a villain entered, tempted a a man and a woman, and they sinned, and they rebelled against God. And all of a sudden, there was heartache and tragedy, and then hope. And then there was danger and adventure and and betrayal and and rescue and triumph. And all these are part of the story. There's, There's heroes and there's villains, and there's good versus evil. In the end, righteousness wins, and everyone lives happily ever after, well, if they trust in the king. And so it's a grand story, and we want our kids to grow up and be part of that incredible story. And my hope would be that as parents, we would realize that stories, the stories we tell our kids, whether they be fictional stories or nonfiction stories, they have the power to influence our kids in a profound way. And so we can leverage those stories in our lives. But maybe more importantly, for for some of you, even as parents, to realize you are part of a story. And you should have a story to tell, and Matt was telling us today, you know, we have a testimony, and we have a story to tell, and this is my story, this is my song. What is your story? Some of you may realize, I don't have, Pastor, I don't have really have a story. Well, you do. It's being written. And you and I have the opportunity to be part of a great story. See, we get to choose the character we play in the story, whether we will be surrendered to the main character who is Jesus Christ, or whether we'll rebel against him. And for those who surrender to that character, Jesus Christ truly do live happily ever after. So I want to read a scripture to you from the Old Testament, from Psalm 78. But before I do, and before we take a brief look at that, this isn't going to be an in-depth Bible study as much as looking at a scripture and how do we apply this in a real practical way within our lives. Let's pray that God would open up our hearts and even today be writing a story, his story on our hearts. Father, thank you for this opportunity. We pray for the wisdom, the insight to know that you are the great author. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Will you draw us near to you? You would speak to our hearts. And Father, would, be, would, would we be responsive in saying yes to whatever it is you're calling us to surrender to you today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 78. I love this. This is a great um, passage that teaches us about orange, parents and church coming together to raise up the next generation. It says, My people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children... Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. This scripture, actually, a part of this was um, a fulfillment of a prophecy in the life of Jesus. In the Gospels, it says that Jesus fulfilled this, that I will open my mouth with parables. And one of Jesus' most powerful teaching mechanisms was to tell parables. In fact, it was so powerful that there's some of the most well-known stories we know in scripture. For example... Um, there's, there's, a, there's a guy walking around the, down a road and gets beat up and, and a Levite and a priest go around him and then a guy comes and we call him what? The Good Samaritan. We know that story. We know the story of the prodigal son and we know the story of the talents and we learn all these stories because they're parables, just stories Jesus made up. Some people call a parable a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. I like to say it's a simple story with the spiritual truth. It's just a simple everyday thing that people go, I I, I know a guy like that, or I've been in that situation. You know, a farmer went out to sow seeds. Oh, I get that. That makes sense. It's not science fiction. It's just real life. And Jesus brought that so that people could understand certain truths. Now, Jesus made up those stories, but God also says in this passage, tell the children the wonders God has done. Tell them the, the wonderful things God has done. Tell them the stories of what God has done. It's just not that God's great. Why is he great? What has he done to show he's great? Well, you know, there was a guy named Noah, and Noah heard God's voice. Or so there was a guy named Abraham, and here's what happened to Abraham. There was a guy named Joseph, and here's what happened. There's a lady named Esther, and here's what she did. You tell the stories of the great things God has done. And it says, so that they would trust in God. That's the ultimate goal, that our kids and our grandkids would trust in God. See, here's the truth. Everybody loves a good story. You love a good story. Your kids love a good story. God shows in Scripture, even God loves good stories. Everybody likes good stories. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God is telling parents that here are the commandments you're to teach your kids. But then he reminds them, remember to tell your kids what happened in Egypt and how I brought brought you through there with signs and wonders. What is he telling them to do? Don't just tell the truth. Worship the Lord your God alone, and, and, and you shall have no other gods before God, and all these things. Those are the principles, but he says, but tell them, tell them the story. Tell them the backdrop to it. Even communion that we just shared, you know there's a story behind it that goes way back to the Old Testament of the Exodus, and then they slaughtered a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. There's a story behind it. The story is powerful. And in Hebrew culture, much like most civilizations, found that the transmission of the of the culture and the identity that they wanted people to have was passed on through stories. Now, they didn't have computers and photography to do what we do today, but in most cultures, and you can go to Native American, you go to Africa and other cultures, they learned to tell stories and tell them well so they get transferred from generation to generation. So when you look at the Bible and God says, you know, tell them the stories, they became very good. And that's why we have pretty accurate stories recorded in Scripture about Abraham and Joseph and David's battles and so forth. And in the telling of these stories, they have the power to draw us in. Stories tend to draw us close and draw us in, whether they're fiction or nonfiction. Good stories will reveal a conflict or a tension. They'll reveal characters as they deal with this tension and conflict and, and seek to resolve it. And as we listen to the stories, we start to identify um, with, with different characters. And we, we start to say, like, well, I like that one and I don't like that one. And maybe we see ourselves as that character. So, so you know, you're Luke Skywalker. or No, no, I'm, I like Han Solo. Or no, I like Edward or I like Jacob. Or no, I'm Sam. No, I'm Frodo. You know, we start to identify with certain characters within the story. And you know why I know this to be true? is because at Halloween, I look around at the little kids and you know what most of the little kids, especially from, from elementary on down, are dressed as? Superheroes and Disney characters. How many Elses did we see last Halloween, right? Because <laughs> those little girls saw themselves as the princess. And how many boys come up with little padded um, costumes? And, you know, you know I'm, I'm Hulk or I'm Superman. I'm Batman. You know, they come out and they're, they're acting like these characters because you, you see yourself As I'm gonna save the world. I want to be a hero. You know, I want to be a cowboy and go shoot the bad guys. You know, I want to be that person. That's who I am. We identify. Good stories have the power to draw us in. And you either see yourself like, I'm I'm like a Superman, or no, I'm Lois Lane. I'm the one that they're going to go rescue. You know, we see ourselves within the story. One of my favorite stories to tell our kids when they were little comes from a book called The Treasure Tree by um, John Trent and Gary Smalley. And if you're familiar with the four personality types, choleric is the kind of hard-driving type A personality. And you've got the sanguine, who's very people-oriented, outgoing extrovert. You have the, um, the melancholy, who's a little more introverted, likes everything in order and in its place, likes the details. And then there's the phlegmatic personality, which is very carefree, loving, fun to be around, the loyal friend who's, who's supportive. And so in the story, there are four characters and each character represents one of the personalities. There's the lion who's the choleric. There's the beaver who's the melancholy. There's the otter who's this fun-loving sanguine. And there's the, just the faithful golden retriever. Retriever, That's the phlegmatic. And all these characters are trying to find, or they're trying to follow a treasure map to get to a gate. And they've got to find four keys to unlock the gate so they can go in and access the treasure tree. And every personality provides a certain character trait that's necessary to solve this puzzle. And when you get through the story, you're, you're to ask your kids which character they identify with. And right away, our son says, you know, I, I, uh, he was like the otter, just likes to have fun. And our daughter was the beaver. Leave it to beaver. You know, she, she, she likes things in order and likes things done the right way. And uh, it, was a, it, was, it was easy for the kids to see themselves in the story. And so um, stories tend to draw us in. Stories are also you know, when, when I listen to stories, the ones I like personally are underdog stories, not the little dog underdog. I mean the ones where, you know, um, this person has no hope, they're not going to make the team, they're a wimpy person, and all of a sudden they rise up and overcome. And you know, So, so I like Rocky, and I like Rudy, and I like Rudolph, because they're all overcomers. They're all underdogs who win in the end. I like those stories. I don't know if that says something about me. I see myself that way, but I, I kind of think they do. I think our, we relate to the stories because we see ourselves in them. And stories can contain powerful truths. They're like containers that, that hold the truth. We're able to see truth visually. That's why Jesus would tell stories. If you want to talk about greed, he says, you know, there was a man who had a harvest, and the harvest was so great that rather than share it, he stored it up for himself For later days, built bigger and bigger barns. And when when he wanted to talk about responsibility, he said a man was going on a journey, and before he left, he divvied up his possessions, his wealth, among three different people. And then he came back later to see how they managed what he'd given them. And if you want to talk about forgiveness, he talked about two men who had debts. One man had a very big debt, and he was forgiven the big debt, and then there was a man with a little debt, and the man who'd been forgiven the big debt couldn't forgive the little debt. And he talked about forgiveness in that whole story. And it, when you hear the stories, all of a sudden you go, wow, I, I can feel that. I can feel the truth. When you hear the story of the Good Samaritan, you can visually picture a man laying beat up on the road and say, why hasn't somebody helped that guy? And you're drawn to, to it and you identify with the Good Samaritan and say, I want to be like that. And you, and you hear the story of the prodigal son, I mean, when you really think about that story, it gets pretty emotional. Here's the father and you start picturing him waiting for his son to return home and Those stories grab us because they convey truth in a very memorable way. Stories have the power to do that. When our kids were young, we used to always tell them, you know, God will provide. And there were times we really struggled financially in some other areas as a young pastor. But in high school, I'd memorize some verses. And one of the first verses I ever memorized was Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I always believed that. Whether it was wisdom, finance, I I said, God, I hope to marry you one day. And you say you'll meet my needs. So I'm gonna be patient and wait for them. And God doesn't tell us how and when usually. But I just know from experience, God comes through time and time again when we trust him. When we seek first his kingdom, he says, I'll take care of all these things that you get worried about. Don't worry about them. And so one day, when I was a children's pastor down in Arizona, I, was, I drove to the public library about 10 miles from our house. I was doing some study for the weekend for a message I was given. And when I was getting ready to leave, I called my wife and I said, I'm going to be home shortly. It was before cell phones. It was 1992. So I leave the library. I get about two blocks and notice the temperature gauge in my car pegs to the right. It's really hot. I start to smell that funny uh, antifreeze smell. So I stop the car, lift up the hood. There's steam coming out. I walked back to the library, have to use a pay phone, call my wife, says, honey, you're going to have to come and get me. I'll have to leave the car here overnight. She said, I just, I, I've been cooking dinner. Let me feed the kids first, then I'll be there. So while she was um, coming, I uh, let my car cool off, opened it up, and I looked, and what I discovered was the radiator hose, this big two-inch hose, had split. And so I said, well, this is going to be easy to fix. Just take the clamps off, put a new hose in, we're good to go. So when she arrived, I realized that um, I had no tools, and I said, I can't get these clamps off because they need a Phillips head screwdriver. And uh, so she said, let me run over to AutoZone. I'll get the part. And I said, could you stop by Taco Bell on the way back? Because it was right next to the auto. Can, can you get me some food? Because I'm starving. So um, she did. But realizing that, you know, we're going to need a screwdriver. So she goes into Taco Bell. And I have a good friend that I tried to call, and he wasn't available. He's, he's one of our elders. He's a, he's a contractor, so he's got all the tools you'd ever want. But I can't reach him, and he lives nearby. So my wife's there at the Taco Bell drive through and lo and behold, she looks in her mirror, and she sees his truck right behind her. But he's not driving. His wife is. So she gets her attention and says, hey, Tom wouldn't happen to have some tools in here, would he? Like a Phillips head screwdriver, and, and Patty, the wife said, yeah, he sure does, so... So she got the screwdriver, got the tacos, had the, had the hose, came back and brought it all to me. So I take off the clamps, take the old hose off, and I realize um, the new hose is an inch too long. And I also realize that, that the clamps have a different kind of screw on it. They need a flathead screwdriver. She goes back over to, to uh, AutoZone and she's picking up some other stuff, and while I'm waiting there at the car, I, I look at this hose, and I go, man, all I have to do is cut off couple, an inch of this hose. So all I have to do is cut it off, but I don't have anything to cut it with. Darn, I forgot to ask my wife to get something to cut this with. Car drives up, and it's getting dark out. I notice the, it, it almost parks right behind me. Tall guy gets out, starts to walk across the road, and I look, and I said, hey, Bill. And it's one of our youth coaches, a tall guy named Bill Tennyson. Bill Bill happens to be stopping by this law firm he works for uh, in the evening on Friday night to pick up some work to take home. I said, you wouldn't happen to have a a knife in there, would you? He says, I'm a lawyer. What else would I have in there? No, he didn't say that. (laughs) We look around. He can't find a knife anywhere. Can't find a knife anywhere. I look up on the wall, and there's this decorative sword on the wall. And I said, hey, can I borrow that thing there? It's not very sharp, but I said, it's better than nothing. So he loans me the sword. I got there, and i you know, cutting this thick rubber, and it works. It works. It just, it's kind of ragged, but it works. Got an inch cut off there, and uh, so my, my wife shows up, and, uh, oh, actually, what happened, she, she needed bigger, the bigger clamps because the rubber was thicker, wouldn't fit. She brings the clamps back, but I can't put them on because I don't have a flathead screwdriver. She comes back and she said, you know who I ran into at the AutoZone? Brian, the, the new guy that's been coming to church. There's a new guy named Brian who just started coming to church like a couple of weeks before, a single guy. We would invite him to come to our small group Bible study. So he drives up to check up on us. He pulls up and I went, hey, Brian, you have any tools there? He goes, oh, no, my tool bag's at home. I said, I just need a flathead screwdriver. He said, you know what? Last Saturday, when I came to service, and I was heading out to the parking lot after church, I walked through the parking lot, and there was a screwdriver on the ground. I picked it up. I threw it in the back seat on the floor of the car. Let me go check. And so I'm waiting like a lottery ticket holder, waiting for my number to get called to say, God, you got us this far. (laughs) I'm waiting just to celebrate. He goes back there. He opens the car. He leans over. He doesn't say a word. He just does this. And I, yes, yes, it's a flathead screwdriver. So I, I put the new clamps on, tighten them down, top off the radiator fluid. And as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, I'm five miles from my church. I'm in a pickle. I need three things I need a Phillips screwdriver, I need a knife, and I need a flathead screwdriver. And God delivers each one through a church person five miles from my church, who happened to be in the right place at just the right moment. Because any one of those encounters... Wouldn't have happened had we been a couple minutes this side or a couple minutes that side of when they showed up. If my wife hadn't been in Taco Bell right in front of the truck, if she hadn't run into the guy at AutoZone at just the right time when she was at AutoZone, if I hadn't been standing by my car when Bill came to get some work to take home for the weekend, it wouldn't have happened. And, and, and people may say, well, you're just, a, you're just really lucky. I says, no, I have a Heavenly Father who says, I know what you need even before you ask, and I will provide and see, God wants us to share the testimonies of the truths of how He's guided us, how He's rescued us, how He's healed us, that we would tell our kids and tell our grandkids. So they don't they know that God isn't just the God of Moses and David, but He's the God of grandma and Grandpa. He's the God of mom and dad. And he could be my God too. We want to tell them the story so that they would put their trust in God. That's the goal. Stories help us see the bigger picture. God is inviting us into this grand story. In, his, in this little book um, called Epic, written by John Eldridge, he says every, every great story has similar elements. There's a battle to be fought, a beauty to be rescued, and an adventure to be lived. Think about all the great stories, whether it's Star Wars or, or Braveheart. I mean, all these great stories have similar themes battle to be fought, a beauty to be rescued. An adventure to be lived. And isn't that the story of Scripture? There's a battle being fought. It started in the Garden of Eden. It will culminate in the end with the lamb overcoming the dragon and the beast. There's a beauty, his bride, the church, believers, who he's, he sought after, paid his, his blood to rescue. He's done that for us. He's done this. You know, I look at stories now from a different lens. I often watch a story and go, you know what, that, that's, a, that's a Christ-like story. You know, when I watched the movie Shawshank Redemption, it moved me spiritually. I was riveted to the screen watching that movie and some people go, Pastor, it's not even a Christian movie. Wait a minute. It's called Shawshank what? Redemption. That's a Bible word. It's about grace. It's about freedom, and new life. When I was a children's pastor, um, God, God just revealed a lot of things. Like, Beauty and the Beast was a story that I loved to tell um, to our kids. In this story, if you know the story of Beauty and the Beast, this enchantress comes to a prince, offers to exchange a rose for a night's lodging, and when, uh, when the uh, prince refuses... The enchantress puts him under a curse. He becomes a beast. And the only way to get rid of the curse is for him to love somebody and to be loved in return. And so he spends his whole life trying to do those things, and and it's not working. And and he even cries out, like, who can love a beast? And it's getting to the end where the rose has one petal just dangling, there, ready to fall. And Gaston, the handsome man who doesn't like the beast, fights, and the beast wins. And the beast says, you know, you go your way. He gives him grace. He's not going to kill Gaston. He just says, you go. Turns his back. Gaston comes back and kills the beast. And as he's dying, Belle voices her love for him. And then you see this this whirlwind of stuff happening as the beast is being transformed back into this handsome prince, but with a better heart. And to me, that's the gospel. The Bible says that we have sinned and we become monsters in a sense. And yet there is one who loves us, who's given his life for us. And when we realize that he loves us in spite of our sin, and we accept him as Lord and Savior, it transforms our lives, and we're reborn. We have a new life, and we live happily ever after with him. It's all part of this bigger, epic story. So, how, as parents, can we amplify the stories? First, capture them. Capture the story. It may mean you write it down, it may mean um, take a picture. I think I think photo albums are are awesome because when I flip back through photo albums, it triggers stories, memories of stories. But I really believe we would benefit the generations to come if we would actually write down the stories that God has brought us through. I love sitting with old people who've been in the the battles World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, Vietnam and all that, and says, Tell me some stories. They're always powerful, memorable stories. Capture those stories. Unearth them. Unearth the stories. Sometimes you have to dig a little bit, but go find great biographies. Like, Kurt Warner's story is a phenomenal story. That is an a underdog story, if you ever ever wanted to see one. Tim Tebow has a fantastic story. A lot of the athletes and people, there's, there's stories about them. You'll find the, a, a, a ribbon of faith all through their stories. Sometimes if you look behind the artwork, the, the painting, the sculpture, the song, you'll find a story behind it. A lot of our great hymns we sing. Amazing Grace has a story behind it, a story of a man who was a slave trader who found grace. And so unearth those stories and then tell and retell them. When old friends get together or when college classmates gather for a class reunion, when you gather with relatives over the holidays, what do we often do? We tell stories. When um, our family gathers with a bunch of relatives in the summer, um, in the evening of that gathering for the week long, there's usually a campfire. And around the campfire, the kids will, kids will all anticipate this. It's story time. And they'll ask Uncle Brian to tell the story about the time when he jumped on the bed of his best friend and shook the bed and said, get up, get up, one Sunday morning and found out that his friend was actually in the other room and that had been grandma who was visiting <laughs> in the bed. And so the kids want him to tell that story again and again and again. And again. They, 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 want, they want to hear the, those stories of when, when David backed the, the boat into the water and he, he forgot to put the, the, the gear into forward and put in neutral and the jeep went back and submerged into the lake. They want to hear that story. They like to hear the stories of the funny things and the failures and the drama. And even though they've heard it before, they want to hear it again. Tell and retell the stories. When you, when you start looking at Scripture and you have those great stories of, of how David beat Goliath story of how David offered grace to the grandson of Saul, a crippled boy named Mephibosheth. When you you tell your kids the story of how a queen named Esther risked their life to go approach the king to save the Jewish people, we want our kids to remember those stories of God's power and God's grace and wonders in their lives and then connect them to the bigger great story, the bigger great story, that God is writing a master narrative story And we all get to be part of it. We allow ourselves to enter into this story. It's already begun. And we can't start at the beginning, but we'll be there at the end if we join in that story. And we need to let our kids know that they can make choices in their lives to allow them to be characters in God's epic stories. What is God's story in your life? What has God written upon your heart? There's a young lady in our church. I've watched her for several years grow up. I remember when she was a squirrely junior high kid, had a knit cap, would come, and and she'd be this crazy kid in front of the church in worship on Sunday morning. And um, she's still a little crazy, but God's raised her up and put a burden in her heart for young people and a burden for missions. And I'm going to introduce to you Melissa Ferracci because she's going to share the story today. She is leaving Tuesday to go to Namibia, Africa, and we're going to pray for her um, before we're done here this morning. But Melissa, good morning, and uh, why don't you tell us a story of what God did for you.
1: Good morning, church. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, well, my freshman year in college, I did an internship at New Life Church for a year, and so basically I just got to sit in a bunch of prayer meetings and be with Jesus. It was pretty Awesome. Um, And basically, I was in a prayer meeting one night, and the Lord was showing me um, a picture um, of me as a little girl. And uh, this little girl was a little bit bruised, a little bit broken. And I saw myself with all of these bags on my back. I saw this really heavy backpack, you know, the kind that you go camping with. But it's filled with weights and pains and hurts. And then I saw myself carrying huge luggage, luggages, bags full of things that people have done to me, things that people had said, things that I'd been holding on to. Um, and I was walking, trying to get somewhere and I couldn't, like, I couldn't look up to see where I was going and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't bear the weight that was on my back. And I was struggling, struggling so hard to get to wherever I was going, um, And I was just in this dark hole, and I couldn't figure out where the help was. I was surrounded by no one, and I was struggling really hard. And then I saw a hand, and it was the hand of Jesus. And he said, Melissa, let me take your burden. Let me take your baggage. Let me take your hurts. Let me take your pain. Give it to me, and I will make you new. I will give you new life. And so slowly but surely, I started handing these bags to him. Sometimes it was, it was hard. It was difficult. I didn't want to let go. I wanted to cling to, to my baggage because I knew it was safe. I knew, I knew what was in those bags, the things that I was carrying around. And other times it was really easy to give him the bags. Take it, Jesus. I didn't want it. But s- slowly but surely, I eventually started handing him these bags. And by the end, when I handed him the last bag, he scooped me up in his arms and he said, Melissa, I love you. You are my child. I'm so proud of you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to walk with you through life. I'm going to use you for powerful things. And I'm going to be there for you. And so that's my story of redemption and just how Jesus kind of worked through my life. And um, so your stories have power. And students and kids really need to hear them. And the people in your community need to know that you are there and that you are following Jesus and that you do have a story. No matter if it's a grand story or a small story, it's still a story. It's a story that Jesus is writing for you. Um, There have been a couple people in my life who have influenced me in great ways. My mom has shared her testimony time and time again and has empowered me to, to follow Jesus. And even though she had a very broken past, she so, she so, oh my gosh, that was really hard. She showed me that, that Jesus is real and that he loved her no matter what. And my Aunt Sue, she, she's wonderful. She's followed Jesus for a very long time and she showed me how to be faithful. And through her little stories of times where she's just following around this guy named H.B. with her little, little planner or whatnot, her being faithful throughout all of that has shown me that it is possible to be with Jesus for the longevity. So know that your stories can impact your kids, can impact the students of this church, can pour out into your community. Know that your stories are powerful. No matter how small you think they are or how big they are or how broken they are or how messy they are, your stories can change lives. And so know that, that the Lord's gonna use you in powerful ways if you just let him. So,
0: Thank you. Well, Tuesday begins a new chapter from Melissa. She's going to fly to Namibia to be with Dave and Sandy Eccles and help with uh, working with the young adults there. She's real excited. Um, yep. She is planning to come back at this point. We don't know what will happen once she's there, but... Um, <laughs> She's gonna fall in love with the people there, I know. And so I want to pray over her. I would like like to ask you if you would extend a hand of, of a kind of a solid solidarity that we are praying, wanting God's blessing over her. As we send her out. Father, we thank you for Melissa. Lord, we thank you for what you've written on her heart, Lord. We thank you for the influence you've used in her life with her aunt and her mom and this church. Father, I pray that you would use her to touch many lives. I pray that you would allow her to be your instrument to love those who have been forgotten, those who are hurting, those who are broken. I pray, Lord, this summer would impact uh, Melissa's life in in a profound way. May it be the most uh, impactful summer she's ever had in her entire life, Father. Give her mom peace as she sends her daughter out. And we pray, Lord, that this, um, this will be a wonderful experience for the entire family and for our church as well as we remember her in prayer. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, some of you, if your kids came home today and said, mom and dad, tell me, tell me your story, you would be a little dumbfounded and you would start to say, well, let me tell you a Bible story. No, 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 your story. Tell us what God did for you. Tell us the miracles he did in your life. Tell tell us, kind of like we heard at church, the stories like that, and you may be saying, I I don't have a story. I don't have a story. I wish I did, but I don't. See, you need to see that your heart is like a a, a page. It's, It's like a big blank page. And God looks at your heart, and he says, let me write on there. Let, let, me, let me write a story of hope on your heart. I'm willing to write that if you trust me. Maybe God's saying in your life, uh, I, I, want, I want to give you a story of guidance, how God directed your path when you trusted him. Maybe, maybe like I had a story you, God provided for you. Maybe that's the story. Or maybe for some of you, God's waiting to write this story. He wants to rescue you. He wants to reach down like he did with Melissa. And he wants to take those burdens from you, scoop you up in his arms and say, you're my child. I've been pursuing you your whole life. That's the story. I've been pursuing you your whole life. Why do you run from me? Why do you resist me? I'm willing to do beautiful things, miraculous things, if you allow me to be your heavenly father. And so today... Moms, dads, grandmas and grandpas, even kids. We want to give you a chance to say, God, here's my heart. It's an open page. Would you write a story of faith on it? I'm just going to be surrendered to you today. And so we're going to have prayer partners. I'm going to invite our prayer partners just to come right now. Just to come quickly right up here. Be spread across the front here. And I'm going to ask all of us to stand as we sing. We want to pray for you. And if you're ready to surrender in any way to the Lord, if you want to surrender your heart over to him, Come, let us, let us ask God together to write his story of testimony on your heart today. We're here to pray with you.
1: Come as we sing.
0: Thanks for listening to today's message. Be sure to join us again next time.